Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Good morning, folks. Good to see each of you here as we have the privilege of opening God's Word uh, together. I believe there's a lot of little treasures here in Exodus chapter 3. So uh, let's take a minute before we do anything. Let's pray uh, that the Lord would open our hearts and minds to receive all that he wants to give. Father, we just thank you for the ability to soap this morning, Lord, to see your word, uh, but not just to uh, see it with our brains and our intellect, but to let your word penetrate into our hearts and our spirits. So Holy Spirit, we know you expired this chapter. I pray that you would breathe on these words, make them alive to us. And I pray for each of us, Lord, there, there's so many good points. I pray that you would highlight, Lord, to each of us, uh, the part of Exodus 3 that would be something that would really speak to a need we have and that we could apply your word to that. So, Father, we come with an open heart, with an expectant heart to meet you through your word. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. Away we fly. Exodus 3. Now, Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked to behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. The place on which you're standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I'm aware of their sufferings. So I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And now, behold, the cry of the sons of Israel have come to me. Furthermore, I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I'll send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly, I'll be with you. And this shall be a sign to you uh, that it is I who sent you. 
when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. The Moses said to God, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I'll say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite, the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite to a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will pay heed to what you say. And you, with the elders of Israel, will come to the king of Egypt, and you'll say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So now, please, let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go, except under compulsion. So I'll stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor and the woman who loves in her house articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And you will put them on your sons and daughters. Thus, you will plunder the Egyptians. Amen. Wow, what a great chapter. Yeah, it's, it's worth celebrating, for sure. So as I'm looking at chapter three, uh, there's a number of points that jump out to me. Number one, uh, that God wants to make himself real to us, to each of us on the screen. Two, uh, that we worship a really big and awesome God. Number three, uh, that God is aware of our pain. And not only is he aware of our pain, he's concerned about it and wants to do something for us in it. Four, God wants us to help us to experience his abundant life. And five, God's with us. Six, God is the great I am. And the last, God is a God of miracles. So there's a lot of points, uh, but I think we can get through them and we'll see which one really drives home to each one of us. So number one, uh, God wants to make himself real. If you look at the Bible, God had shows up in some really extremely powerful ways to some of the biblical characters. If you look uh, at Abraham, God shows up to Abraham. Hey, says you need to leave Ur of the Chaldees. Dynamic interaction. Uh, we know that God also shows up uh, not just to Abraham, but if you read Isaiah chapter 6, you'll see that God shows up in a mighty way to the prophet Isaiah. He sees God high and lifted up and is radically shaken to the core. Not only does he show up to Isaiah, he shows up to Gideon. 
and this man that's a weak man, he says, hey, by the way, Gideon, you're going to be a great warrior. We see in the New Testament, God shows up to Paul, literally knocks him to the ground in a sense, in a flash of light. I mean, there's really an encounter with God. And in the last book of the Bible, we see John is lifted in the heavenly places and sees God high and lifted up on the throne. I mean, God really does show up in the Bible in different ways. And we see here, God shows up to Moses. Let's look at it. Verses one to three. Now, Moses, he just doing his normal thing, okay, was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he was leading the flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Little did he know, little do we know what could happen in any given day, just doing his normal routine. Verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire. Yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. I mean, talking about an encounter, Moses really has an encounter. He sees a burning bush and God in it, and it really gets his attention. So God shows up. Not every biblical character, though, has a burning bush. And I think in regards to having an encounter with God, that doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to have this burning bush, this, this lightning flash. Uh, but every biblical encounter uh, person in the Bible has an encounter, some way, shape, or form. God makes himself real to them. And I want you to know that God wants to become real to each of us. Everybody here on the screen, God doesn't want to be just a, a concept in our brain. He wants us to have an encounter, an experiential interaction with him. Uh, and that I can promise you from the word of God. He does want to make himself real to everyone here. But there is one catch to that. And here's the catch. It's found in Jeremiah 29, verse 13. And the Lord says this, you'll seek me. And you'll find me, i.e. you're going to have an encounter with me. You'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So if you want to encounter the living God, we can't play games with them. We can't be half-hearted or lukewarm. We have to say, God, I want to give you the whole deal of my life. I'm seeking you. And I believe if we mean that, the Bible is very clear. He will show up. Burning bush, maybe, maybe in a more subtle way, but you'll know that you know that you know that God's a reality. Okay, that's number one. So God wants to make himself real. Number two, uh, God is very big and he's very awesome. Look at verses four to six. When the Lord saw that he turned aside, like God called to Moses in the midst of the bush, it said, Moses, Moses. Wouldn't that blow your brain out? Coming out of a bush, somebody saying your name. And he says it not once, like Moses, Moses, he's trying to get his attention. And he said, Moses said, here I am. Then God said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. Verse 6. He also said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face 
for he was afraid to look at God. Folks, when God shows up in this kind of a way, uh, we wouldn't just say our hand is, oh, good. how nice to meet you, Lord. Uh, you know, oh, hey, great to know who you are. When God shows up, what we see biblically, people are knocked off their feet on their face because they're encountering the ultimate reality of the universe. It's a big deal. Uh, when God shows up, when we see his splendor and his majesty and his holiness, just a sense of awe and wonder seems to envelop us and surround us. We're told in Isaiah uh, that when he saw heaven, he saw the angels and they were just saying, holy, holy, holy. They were in another realm. And it's like, as they beheld God, it was just awesome. It's almost beyond words. So we need to realize that God is not just a good buddy we have. Yeah, God is loving. God wants to be intimate. God is kind. But we need to realize he is not some buddy, some human being that's just pumped up a number of times up in heaven. He's in a class all by himself. And friends, uh, when we meet the Almighty and when we encounter his holiness, we're going to know it and we're going to be humbled and we'll bow before him. So number three, I like this one a lot. Uh, God is aware of our pain. Not only is aware that you were going through a hard time, he's concerned about it and wants to do something about that. Now that's good news to me because this isn't always an easy journey down here. And sometimes we go through some really tough times. Uh, if you look at uh, Exodus chapter three, look at verse nine. And uh, basically it says this, the Lord saying this, and now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen, God says, I see it. I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing you. God saying to Moses, hey, this hasn't slipped by me. I'm aware, I've seen what's going on. Uh, if you look at verse 7, and the Lord said, I have surely, here it is, seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have given heed to their cry because of the taskmasters. I am aware of their sufferings. I am aware, I am aware of their sufferings. That means that God is aware of your sufferings and my sufferings. So I don't know what's going on in your life today, but God is well aware of every detail, every pain, every heartache, every tear that you may be going through. It could be a, a health issue. I'm sure in a, in a size like today, there's gotta be some people with health issues. For others, it may be some kind of a financial crunch and squeeze. For others, it may be some kind of a, a relationship hassle that just doesn't seem to be resolved. Or you can fill in the blank, whatever it is. But I think very clearly, implication here is the God of the Bible is the same then, he's the same now. He was concerned about his people then, he's concerned about us now. And he knows your suffering. And not only does he know it, not only is he concerned, but he wants to do something about it, whatever it is. 
And I'd, I'd have to say, okay, Lord, you're aware of it. You want to help me? Well, well, practically, how do you want to help me? I think three ways. Number one, I believe he wants to give us wisdom on how to handle the issue that we're going through. He wants to give us wisdom and understanding. Let's say you're working at work and you have a boss that's a tyrant and just driving you nuts. I think if we go to God and say, God, okay, how do you want me to see this? How do you want me to frame this? Lord, what do you want me to say? Lord, what do you want me to do? Maybe you don't want me to do anything. God, I need wisdom. So we face all kinds of situations that we don't know what to do, but God does. So I think he wants to help us by giving wisdom. Number two, I think sometimes God wants to deliver us from our hardships and pain. Over the years, I've heard different situations where people are financially strapped. I mean, they're strapped. They got to pay the rent. They got to do the bills. And they cry out to God. And God literally sends money in the mail just for the amount they need to get their needs met. So sometimes God literally delivers us. Sometimes God does not deliver us because he knows that's not what's best. That's not what we need the most is this quick, get me out of this hard time. Sometimes God allows us to stay in the hard time for a period of time to teach us that it's his grace that will get us through that hard time. And we get to know him in the hard time in ways we never get to know him when the sun's shining and there's no hardship. Paul, the great apostle, was not delivered from what he calls the thorn in the flesh. The Bible does not specifically say it. Some people say it's a physical illness for me personally. I don't think it was a physical illness. I think it was the Judaizers that everywhere Paul went, the Jewish people would get there, interrupt him, try to stop his preaching, at some point stone him. Everywhere he went, there were these, these people that hassled him and gave him a hard time. That's my take. But I don't know what the thorn of the flesh is specifically. Nobody can prove it. But here's what Paul says. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And in verse 7, he said this, And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, that he had been given for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Paul said, I could get proud, but this thorn made sure I didn't. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that he might depart it from me. God, get rid of this thorn. It's driving me nuts. God doesn't do it. God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. And then Paul says, wow, okay, then most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I like this last verse, 1210. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses. Can we say that? I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, okay, you're facing adult difficulty today, uh, Paul said, I'm content with it, because he says this, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So pretty cool. God is aware of your pain. 
and he wants to do something about it by either giving you the wisdom to handle it, delivering you out of it, or to give you the grace to get through it and to grow deeper with him in the process. Okay, number four, <clears throat> God wants us to experience an abundant life. Okay, he says here in verse eight, okay, got to pop back here to Exodus. And I took my little marker out, so I got to find it again. Exodus three, <clears throat> excuse me, Exodus three, verse eight. The Lord says, so I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land, here it is, to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord says, hey, Moses, guess what? I want to get you out of Egypt. I want to bring you to the promised land. And when he says it's a land flowing with uh, milk and honey, he's saying, basically, man, I want you to have an abundant life, Moses. And I want you, as the Israelite people, to experience my abundance. And God's the same God in the old and the new. Even Jesus says in John 10, 10, I came... Why did he come to earth? I came that you might have life, right? You, you know the verse, and have it, what? Abundantly. That's what God wants for you. Everybody on this screen, that is his desire, that you have an abundant, full, satisfying, meaningful life. That's what he wants. God said, that's what I want for you Israelites, but the Israelites didn't get this. And I think many times we don't get it, that God said, yeah, I want to get you to abundance. I want to get you to the promised land. But Israelites, before I can get you to the promised land and to abundance, you got to go through a wilderness because I see stuff in you, the Israelites, that if that's not removed, you're never going to know my abundance. So God literally lets them wander in the wilderness for 40 years to burn out of them bad attitudes that block his abundance in their lives. He lets them go through the wilderness, what? To burn out their unbelief. He lets them stay in the wilderness to burn out a complaining spirit, a murmuring spirit. He lets them be in the wilderness to burn out pride and to burn out a disobedient heart. So yeah, what God did for the Israelites, I believe he does for us. They had a wilderness. Folks, this journey on this planet right now is not a piece of cake. It's not a picnic. In a sense, this world is a wilderness. And I think God allows this world to be a wilderness. He allows testing. He allows pain because these things expose the junk in our lives. They bring to the surface our bad attitudes and our bad motives. And then after they're brought to the surface, we have the opportunity to deal with them. And when we deal with them, then God's abundant life in us can be loosed. But God was very clear. You're in Egypt. You're in bondage. I want you to get to the promised land over here. But in between, in the wilderness, I got to do something in you so that you're able to receive all that I want to give. That's exactly what he said to the Israelites. And I believe that's exactly what he's doing with us. In the hard times, he's dealing with the junk that's in us so that we can know his life and know it abundantly. Okay, that's number four. Number five, um, God is with us. So Moses 
is intimidated. I mean, he is scared spitless. Like, you got to be kidding me. God, you want me to go to Pharaoh and confront him. And I think Moses could be saying, man, now, if I do that, I, I ran away from Pharaoh. I go back. He's going to kill me dead. I'm going to die. And God says, no, no, Moses, you go. And I can hear Moses say, okay, God, that's really cool. Now I got to confront Pharaoh. Number two, I got to lead. And scholars say they think maybe around 3 million Jews, Moses has to lead through the wilderness for 40 years. Now, that's a bit of an intimidating kind of a task. And I could see why Moses says, whoa. In fact, if you see God, he wants to back up and say, I, I, Lord, you got the wrong guy. Uh, no, 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 no. I, that, that, Lord, thank you for the offer. I, I'll pass. Thank you. And the Lord says, no way you're going to pass. Look at, he says, this is verse 10. Therefore, come now, and I'll send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And here's where the Lord gets him. I love this one. And he said, God said, certainly certainly, and you can underline it, certainly, beyond a shadow of a doubt, Moses, certainly, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you, and he goes on a little bit more. Certainly, I'll be with you. And I could just almost hear God say, hey, Moses, I made the heavens. I made the earth. Hey, listen, I'm almighty. I could do whatever needs to be done. Hey, Moses, I'm a lot bigger than Pharaoh, so don't worry about him. Uh, Moses, you think throwing in people are too much, but, you know, it's not too much for me. So, Moses, you get your eyes off the problem. Get your eyes off Pharaoh. Get your eyes off the Israelites. You just keep your eyes on me because certainly I will be with you. And what's really cool, not only does God say that to Moses, but he says it to Joshua. So, you know. How would you like to follow Moses? I mean, he is the man, the greatest Israelite leader at that point. Moses dies, and God says, Joshua, by the way, now you need to take his shoes. And I think Joshua is saying, I can't, God, I can't, I can't do what Moses did. I can't walk in his shoes. And I think it was so cool to me is God says exactly to Joshua what he said to Moses. And I think I hear God saying, like, Joshua, you get your eyes off you, get your eyes off the problems. And here's what he says this, Joshua 1, <clears throat> Joshua 1, and verse 5, it says this, God says this to Joshua, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. And it repeats it in verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God's driving the point home, and he says, hey, Joshua, you keep your eyes on me. He said, number one, I am big, and I'm going to be with you. And he said, I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to drop the ball, Joshua. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not taking off when the time gets tough. No, Joshua, I am right there with you. And I'm not going to fail you or forsake you. I am there. 
And there's a great verse in this regard. I like this one. This is in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Similar kind of statement. There's, uh, I don't know if I counted it, but like, let's say at least 50 plus times, God says in the Bible, the different characters, I'm with you. I'm with you. Over and over and over, I am with you. And here's one. Uh, he says to Isaiah, do not fear, for I am with you. So I think if we begin to fear and have fear rise up and anxiety, God says, okay. And by the way, get it. It's a command. Do not fear. God said, this is not an optional deal. I am giving you a command. Do not fear when you encounter these situations. And if God gives a command, then I believe he gives the grace to carry out that command. So if he says, do not fear, then I've got to count on his grace to allow me to not fear. But he says this, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about. Have you ever been there doing that? Do not anxiously look about, for I am your God. Not a generic God. He said, I am your specific God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, there's a good verse to hang on to when you're going through the ringer. It's just so important to know that God is with us. And Jesus said it in the New Testament, Lo, I'm with you always to the close of the age. So you're never alone. You're never alone. Even if you're in your house all by yourself, guess what? You're not alone in your house. You got the Father, you got the Son, and you got the Holy Spirit with you, not only in your house, but when you're in your car, guess who's with you? The Trinity. No matter where, you can't get away from them. And God says, I'm with you. He said it to Moses. He said it to Joshua. He said it to Isaiah. And he's saying it to us. I am with you. And if you, if you got that, that's it. That's all you need. Okay. Uh, we got, uh, let me got two more. Number six, God is the great I am. So go back to Exodus 3 again and look at verse 13 and 14. So after this encounter, Moses says this to God, 13, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel and I'll say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Okay. Moses said, hey, God, listen, you got to, they're going to say me. You're saying you have this vision, this whatever. Well, who is this person you interacted with, Moses? Uh, what's his name? And God says, okay, you tell them. Here's what you tell them when they ask you the question. I am who I am. He said, thus you'll say to the, the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, that's a cool name. I love that name. What's God's name? I am. I am that I am. I am existent. I am total reality and existent. I am that I am. But I, I like to look at it this way, and this is kind of like a cutting edge to me because I'm just beginning to see it in a deeper way, and it excites me tremendously that God is saying, I am, and then he says, you fill in the blank. Whatever your need is, I am. 
whatever your need is, I am the one that will fulfill that need. For instance, if you're sick, you can look at Exodus 15 and God says, I am your healer. If you're needing help, turn to Psalm 23 and you can see that God is, he says, I am your shepherd, you shall not want. You might be weak and God says in Philippians 4, I am your strength. You may feel guilt and condemnation. And if you turn to John 1, God says, I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You might say, I'm confused. And God says in James chapter 1, I am your wisdom, and I will guide you and lead you. You may be looking for, for uh, fulfillment. And in Matthew 13, Jesus said, I am the pearl of great price. In other words, you need fulfillment. I'm it. I'm better than any earthly pearl. I can fill any need that you might have. What I'm seeing, and it's it just kind of beginning to hit me, is that God doesn't give us little, uh, how can I put, little portions in a bucket of something when I have a need. Okay, I'm sick. Okay, here, I'm going to give you an impersonal bit of healing. Boom, drops it into it. Uh, Lord, I, I don't understand. Okay, I'm going to drop in. In out of the blue in this little bucket inside of you, some wisdom, or I'm going to drop in some patience or some joy or peace, as if these things are independent of who God is. So God doesn't just give us something. He is the something. Let me say it again. Doesn't God doesn't give us something. He is the something. He said, I am your peace. God has peace in himself. If you want to get peace, the only way you're going to get it is by getting God, because peace is not an independent thing from who God is. So whatever your need is, God says, I am. I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your humility. I am your faith. I am your wisdom. I am whatever it is. Whatever it is. I am your forgiveness. I am your holiness. Whatever your need is today, God said, I am the answer to that. So how do you get the peace, joy, and all the other things? I think you just go to God and say, thank you, Lord. In you is joy, and you live in me. So, Lord, thank you that you are my joy. You got to unpack it, but just realize all that God is, he doesn't just give it out impersonally. He is what we're looking for. He is the health. He is the wisdom. He is the joy, whatever. Last uh, is this. Number seven, uh, God is a God of miracles. If you look at verse 20, and the Lord said this to Moses, I'll stretch out my hand. I'm going to strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he'll let you go. <clears throat> God says, I'm a God of miracles. And as you read through the rest of Exodus, God sends plague after plague after plague, miracles to prove to the Egyptians that he's God Almighty. Uh, to top it off, not only does he send the plagues, he opens up the Red Sea for the Jew. That's the biggest miracle that's ever happened. So all through the Bible, God says, guess what? 
I am the God of miracles. I can do what nobody else can do. He did that in the Bible. He did it in the Old Testament. He does it in the New. And guess what? We're looking for him to do the miracles in Fusion Church. And I thought Pastor Brennan did an amazing job in his sermon Sunday, challenging us to believe, hey, God is big enough to help us raise four million bucks. What's four million dollars to the Lord? <laughs> if he made the heavens and the earth and the universe, he keeps everything in its place. Is four million bucks way beyond him? I don't think so. So I think we need to realize he is the one that can do the miracles in motion for us. But let me end with this. Uh, what miracle do you need today in your life? Think about it. Maybe as we, we close here, what, what's the miracle that you need in your personal life? And I hear the God say, look to me. I can do the miracles. And I've been seeing recently in the New Testament, he says, all things are possible to me. All things are possible to me. So, Lord, we want to thank you for the amazing chapter, just so full of insights about who you are, Lord, and, and how to live it out. So I just pray for each of my brothers and sisters, Lord, whatever we need to take away from this study today, uh, just, just show us what it is. I pray, Lord, that you would unpack that you are the great I am, Lord, that everything we need is found in you and you live in us. Show us how, Lord, to access all that you are in our lives for your glory, for your honor. Lord, remind us as we're going through the struggles and the hardships, Lord, that you're with us and that you're concerned and you want to bring good out of whatever we're going through because that's who you are. Father, uh, you know, Lord, we may need a miracle and we don't always know how that miracle looks. Uh, sometimes it comes in disguise, but Lord, uh, we know you're a big God. So Lord, you do your miracle in each life here. And you know what it's about, Lord. You know the pain, the cry of your people. Everybody on the screen, you know the depths of their being. We not may not show it on a, a, a service uh, on a Sunday or in a small group, but you know. You know what's going on deep in us. And Lord, I just pray that you would do the miracle that we need. And, and we may think it's this, but you may think it's that. But Lord, we just pray, just meet that miracle for your glory and honor. So we thank you uh, that as we leave this study, Lord, it doesn't end. You said, I'm with you. So, Lord, you're going to be with us when we go to work today. We know you're going to be with us as we travel in the car. Uh, you'll be with us in the everyday chores we have to do. And we just thank you. You said you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You won't fail us, but you'll be the faithful guide and leader. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Keep your eyes open for a miracle. It's coming.